All school buses are the same, right? At Bluebird, we couldn't disagree more. For nearly a century, every employee has come to work every day to design, to build, to sell, and to service the world's most trusted school bus. And in defining this trust, you start in one place, our unparalleled commitment to safety. Because the one thing all school buses have in common is that we transport our nation's most precious cargo. From the visibility that comes from the slope of our hood, to the design of our roof bows, to the strongest floors in the industry, every part of a Bluebird school bus is built with safety as the highest priority. We pass and surpass the most challenging safety certifications the industry has. That's why we build the world's most trusted school bus. Hello and welcome to the bus stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I'm Kurt Mackison, the executive director of NSTA, and pleased to update you on current association endeavors. So this week, we want to mention the NSTA strategic business plan. That's headed up by Barry Stock of a landmark student transportation. As most of you know, Barry is a former past president of NSTA, and he has led our uh, strat plan efforts for three years now. So in response to our strategic planning sessions in Columbus, Ohio in early November, Barry will be doing some follow-up with the NST committee chairs this month to make sure as a group we're meeting the goals of the strategic plan. Um, so there'll be an update uh, on the strat plan at the midwinter meeting in Scottsdale, Arizona, and that's being held from January 18th through the 21st in the year 2020. The NSTA hotel room block is currently open through December 19th, so make your reservations early. And that's our membership news minute. So today at the bus stop, I'm pleased to have as a guest on the program, Mr. Tim Moore of Generational Insights. Tim will actually be our keynote speaker at the midwinter meeting. Uh, he'll be speaking about five generations in the workplace. So welcome to the program, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me, and I look forward to this conversation. So uh, in, in terms of looking at your, your very diverse background, you work with some well-known Fortune 500 companies. Can you tell us uh, what your experience has been working with some of these companies and, and maybe how that shaped your perception of the workplace? I was incredibly fortunate when uh, when I got out of school to be hired, and I went to work for Pepsi-Cola, and uh, there are a lot of lessons in that, and um, I'll take you through, I'm going to just take you how I got to where I was and go back to the lessons I learned, but so I went to work for Pepsi-Cola, and then um, Gillette uh, as a uh, regional uh, manager, and then, of course, uh, a stint with Dow Chemical, and then L'Oreal USA. Uh, and then I, uh, after that, uh, started my own business and uh, have been working with Generational Insights now for about the last 10, maybe 12 years. We have been out on the road uh, doing uh, keynote speaking and uh, working uh, as a trainer, a, a master trainer to help train the trainer in companies that want to uh, work with uh, leadership uh, genera across the generations within their own company. But to answer your question, which is, you know, um, how did it shape me? When you work for a Fortune 500 company, you have a lot of resources. Uh, some of those you don't really even appreciate till you leave. But the one thing you, I did have was a lot of training, and they got me ready to to do some things. And um, when I got when I got to be a national sales director for uh, Dow Chemical, I was way too young for the job, but I had a lot of energy and um, would give what it took to to do the job and. and form a, a very loyal and high functioning team. 
one of the things that I, I learned uh, was that uh, everyone that works for you, all the ages there and all the individuals in your team bring value you know, to your workplace. That's one of the strongest things I can tell you is everyone has a skill set and a, they bring value. So you have to look for it a little bit and you and you find those talents and those strengths in everyone. You have to show that you value individuals, people, because everyone is a little bit different. We're all unique in, in that strength. So I always found that I was more successful when I, I dug a little bit and learned, listened, spent some time with each person, you know, in the field to understand what made them tick. And a lot of that goes along with this, this entire generational, uh, the, genera- the message from generational insights resonates so strongly with me is because I, I learned before I ever heard about generational insights. Uh, that uh, people who were a little more mature than me had been in the, been with the company longer. Um, they had real uh, value in help me understand why things were like they were. They knew where all the bodies were buried. They knew why all the all the different decisions had been made. There were reasons for those, and you can't just ignore them. But there, then you know we were hiring younger people that right out of college, and I had to learn quickly that they didn't see the world the same way. And uh, so what I learned was you had to understand the why. Why do different ages look at the same, you know, structure, the same situations, the same opportunities differently? They see something. I would sit in a room with 15 people and I would always be amazed that, you know, four or five see it one way and another six see it totally opposite. And I was like, what? We all are Americans. We've all been in this country. We've worked with this country, company for a while, but there's a reason. So I began to dig and that's where I got my interest in not only understanding people, but understanding that um, each generation, there's a reason they see the world differently. You know, they were raised a little bit differently. And we'll talk about that in the keynote when I get there. But once you understand that and understand that one style of management, you can have that, but it doesn't really work because one style, you know, one size does not fit all when you're managing people. And so you begin to understand that I have to understand what, why this person thinks the way they do. And there are reasons for it, help them understand what the direction of this this division of this company and why this company is going this way and then work with them through different styles of communication and uh, valuing them and let them know they're important and I value what they bring to the table but also understanding that I need to make sure that they understand where we're trying to go so those were the lessons that I learned uh, through all these different stops uh, within fortune 500 companies now one thing that I uh, and perhaps to your point Tim I try to practice is Empathy, not not sympathy. So I think the strongest thing that any manager can do is to put him or herself in the shoes of the folks that they're managing. Um, sounds like you've done a bit of that. You know that you're a keen observer. You know of human interaction, and and that kind of is at the core of how you view you know the workplace and and where we are um, currently. I think empathy is one of the strongest traits a good manager has. I think empathy is uh, a skill set that you have to work on sometimes. You know, we're not always raised to have empathy. We're a lot of us are raised to, you know, to be, a, you know, just in a, especially in American business. Uh, sometimes I wonder what pops out of business schools, um, but you know, they're they, they walk in and they just they want to run over everybody. They want we everything is a is a challenge, and uh, you need to we need to win. And sometimes winning means that 
I have empathy for your position and you help me understand that. And then together we solve this problem because now that I understand why you're thinking like you do, I can understand how you, why you see the problem differently. And maybe you have a much better handle on this than I did because I just kind of walked into it. You've been dealing with it for a while. Yeah. Uh, one, and one of the things when, when I talk to, to young people and you actually did one of the two pillars, I think, that are important. Um, as you're going through school, you served as the student body president at Elon, did I read? And then the other thing that I always true. say is, okay, and then the other thing I always say is, write for the school newspaper, because it forces you to observe uh, and then write about it. Maybe not so much nowadays, but, you know, at one time, you know, in order to write articles, you had to observe whatever, whether it was a sporting event, whether it was um, a program at the university or college, whether it was the school play. Um, so it forced you to observe and then write about your observations. Um, but I, I'm sure that, that, you know, being president, you know, at a young age and, and doing that did, you know, form some of your perspective of the workplace moving forward. Uh, that was an opportunity that uh, was given to me that I have learned. I learned so much in a year as student body president of a university, Elon University. And I can tell you this, that I learned I had to deal with trustees who were three, four times my age. I had to deal with students, uh, and I was a senior my my the year I was student body president. And so I look back, and I was dealing with kids that had just come out of high school, you know, freshmen, um, and the way they viewed the world. Um, and you know, you talked a little bit about uh, the newspaper. I used to write for the newspaper, and you were right. I mean, if I was going to write about something that was happening, I had to I had to get waist deep into it. And understand, you know, what was happening to be able to say anything about it in, in print. So, Tim, at the midwinter meeting, you'll be speaking on five generations in the workplace. Now, obviously, we don't want to give away your presentation, but one question came into our minds, you know, here, and, and, and that was this. Is the workplace more complicated than it has ever been, or really has technology made workers more hyper aware of their workspace these days? I think that there are some advents that have happened in our lifetime that have changed the workplace drastically. And anybody that was working in the 90s will tell you it's very different today than it was then. Um, and, and so situations change. The, the need for information more quickly has driven a lot of this, and that's the Internet. Probably the Internet is the biggest single uh, event in my lifetime that has changed the way the world works. Uh, just having an, the opportunity. I remember when I was younger and they, when I would go in to and talk to customers or um, there, would, there was no way to check whatever I would say. So it was up to me to have, you know, the, the morals and the, the ethics to, to be honest with people, but not everybody was. But now you can be checked out while you're talking to somebody. They're, on, they're, they're Googling what you're saying and if it's true or not. So there's all that, but there really is this whole understanding of, uh, you know, we've got, a bunch of different skill sets in the workplace, people that have different skill sets. T technology makes you aware of maybe if you are a little more mature that you maybe don't have the skill sets that somebody coming right out of out of college that got, has a job that you work with. And maybe you're, you're a little intimidated by that um, because you're, you're trying hard to keep up with this, but they, they just seem to breathe it and live it all the time. Um, I do think that social media has changed the workplace tremendously. Uh, any baby boomer will tell you they thank God every day they weren't raised in a time where there was Facebook and somebody could take their picture and have it online before you got home and had to explain it to your parents. 
that is the that would it's just a different environment that kids are being raised in today. And when they come to the workforce, they have different understandings of this. So, um, and I also think that, um, you know, some of the, the, the biggest factors and changes have, uh, come from technology, uh, used to, you, you, when you left work, you went home. Nowadays you have a laptop that goes home with you and you're expected, you know, from time to time to check it. I sent you an email. Why didn't you respond? Well, I was with my kids. They were playing ball. I didn't know. So that that's right. a, a lot of this has come into play, and technology has driven a lot of that, or maybe all of that. Yeah, and and um, most everyone has you know in the business world has heard of the term corporate culture. In your mind, how important is it for a business to develop a culture? I, my personal opinion on this is it is vital. You, you really need to have, and you talked about pillars a, min, a minute ago, you need to have the pillars of your company and, and they need to be understood by everybody that works for you. You can't just say, this is the way I act. You guys do what you want. Um, it'll come back to bite you. So co- a corporate culture is very important and you, you really need to have a strong vision and you need to share that with the people who work for you. And you need to allow people the freedom you know, to address problems or situations they encounter but there are, and you have to you have to communicate this very strongly. There are non-negotiables that we don't do here. Whatever those are in your company, there are, there are going to be some things that you just we're not going to stand for this. And you need they need to know that it's not okay to do some things. But you want them to have the freedom to size up situations, and with their skill set, uh, offer a solution to what you're dealing with. So as once you know the culture of your company. And culture goes deeper than that. You, I mean, do you help the community around you? What are those things that you do uh, at just as, as good human beings? That's part of the culture of a company. And do you have one for that? Do, 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 you, do you respond like that? Um, and, and the other things, you know, are, are you a, uh, are you a do you, what's the work ethic we have in this company? Um, and all those things are addressed through your company culture. And if you don't have that right now, you need to start working on what you see as your company culture and listen carefully to the people who work for you and what they want for a company culture and understand clearly that you have to have dividing lines between all those. So we're with uh, Tim Moore, um, who is from Generational Insights, going to be speaking at the NSTA Midwinter Conference in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, Tim will be speaking about the five generations in the workplace. If listeners want to get in touch with you or find out more about generational insights, where can they find that information, Tim? Well, there's a couple of ways. First off, uh, you can uh, go to our website at uh, generationalinsights.com. You can find me on the website uh, as an instructor, as a keynote speaker. You'll see some information there. I have a personal website, which is Tim Moore Speaks, T-I-M-M-O-O-R-E, Speaks, plural, dot com. You can find that's a website that uh, has some Clips of me speaking time to time, things like that, uh, and messages there. And I'm also all over, you know, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter, any of those places. But the, if you want to communicate with me, you can always send me an email, Tim, T-I-M, at generationalinsights.com. Well, Tim Moore, you've been a tremendous guest. We look forward to seeing you in Scottsdale, Arizona at the uh, midwinter meeting. Uh, And thanks for taking time to join us at the bus stop. 
Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to meeting all the listeners that are, if you're out there listening now and you have questions or you're thinking about the things about the generations you'd like to know more about, you know, I'll be there and I'll be glad to answer any questions for as long as you want me to talk to you. Great. Thanks so much, Tim. Thank you. I appreciate it. This Bus Stop Podcast is brought to you by Daimler Truck Financial, the captive finance partner for Thomas Belt Buses. Together, we're proud to support the National School Transportation Association. The Bus Stop is sponsored by SafeFleet. SafeFleet is the leading provider of school bus safety solutions with brands you might recognize such as Seon, Specialty Manufacturing, Transpec, and Pretoria. SafeFleet's predictive stop arm is a solution to help predict a stop arm violation and provide proactive notification to the driver and students that it's not safe to cross the street. To learn more, visit www.safefleet.net.